Amen. Keep him in your prayers. Uh, we're looking forward to him coming back, being with us very, very soon, okay? But uh, we need to lift him up in prayer. Another thing I want to share with you, you know, 2024, in case you are not aware, God is doing big things at Anastasia. God is doing incredible things, uh, amazing things. It's been a great year this past year, but I want you to know it's going to be an incredible year in 2024. Uh, A lot of things are going to be happening. As a matter of fact, I believe 2024 is a year of Anastasia claiming the vision that God has given us. It's a year of claiming the vision. You know, the first half of this year... We're going to be moving into the rec center that's just behind this building. That gym that's going up first half, sometime first half of the year. We believe we're going to be in that building. We're going to be starting sports ministries, basketball, volleyball, pickleball, um, you know, just amazing things. In the second half of 2024, we plan on on moving into the next gen center. That's the three-story building that you see there. That's going to be the home of Anastasia Kids Jr. and the, and the child care ministry. That's going to be the home of Anastasia Kids. That's going to be home of Anastasia Student Ministries. That's going to be the home of our college ministry, preschool, children, youth, rooftop patio. I'm so excited about that. So that's going to happen this year, 2024. This is the year of claiming the vision. Safe, secure space. I'm excited. Families, when they come with their kids in their different ages, they don't have to go to one building to drop off the preschoolers, another building for the kids. They all go into one secure place. And, and that's such a, such a vision. And, and there's going to be ministries uh, supporting that. Um, we call that vision, we're calling it four generations to come. Okay? And we're claiming that vision. You might hear the word 4G. Okay? Four generations to come. And, and, and we've been dreaming of this vision for years and years. 25 years ago, 25 years ago, my first few months here at Anastasia, uh, there was just a devoted lady leading our vacation Bible school. It was her first year being the VBS director that year. Her name was Lori. Okay. And she's showing me the ropes of Anastasia and we're looking through vacation Bible school and we're talking about how these, these children's space, we just moved into the sanctuary over there. This building wasn't built, but the sanctuary just been built and thought, man, we need better space for our kids. And we started thinking about how we could use the space that we had. And we started dreaming about what could that be? Our dream wasn't as big as what we have, but it it was a big dream. Well, you know what? We, We said, what can we do? We need something better for our kids. And I want you to know, we've been dreaming and planning for 25 years. And in 2024, we are claiming the vision. 2024, we're claiming the vision. We're going to be putting our kids into good space. I'm so excited about this. I'm so excited. God's going to do amazing things. It's, it's not about buildings. And we're not just seeing the vision. See, vision just doesn't, God just doesn't lay things in people's lap. That's not usually how he is. He usually, he usually brings forth a challenge and we have to respond in faith. And claiming the vision is, is responding in faith. And this is the year we're going to be claiming the vision because there, there are acts of faith that we have to do. We're going to have to start new ministries. We're going to need people to start those ministries. We're expecting more families to come. We need, we need people to help, uh, help with those ministries. But also we have some financial steps of faith and I want you to know what they are so you're, you're very aware of them. Because uh, And these steps of faith, this takes us to where God wants us to be. I have a slide to show to you just so you know exactly where we are. The whole project, all these buildings here you see, it's a $16.7 million project. Okay? Now... 
we're going to finance 8 million of that. We've determined that when we move into it, we're going to pay half of it, over half of it off before we get into the building. Praise God for that, okay? A great amount there. But that means owed by completion is 8.7 million. Where are we today? 6.96 million. We need 1.74 million during the year, sometime during this year. That's going to get us to where we are. Is that doable? It absolutely is. Look at the next slide there. I want you to know that green part, that's what you've already given. Most of that's been given since 2020. Since 2020. So you see, we just have a little bit more to go. You've already given 6.96 million. Uh, we have 1.74 million, a little bit, uh, a little bit less than that to go. I'm going to share that with you every time. That graph, I'm going to share that with you every week because I want you to know what the challenge is. You know, God's going God's to take care of the money. If we do what we're calling to do, I know God's going to take care of the money, but you need to know what the challenge is, and that is part of claiming the vision. And then uh, I'm excited that when we get into this, into this building that God is going to be doing amazing, amazing things. And, and he's, it's not just what he's going to do in 2024. He's laying the foundation for what Anastasia is going to be doing for literally generations to come. Amen? Amen. It's going to be great. So anyway, you got the challenge? 2024, new ministries, new challenges, but God's going to do some amazing things. And we're just putting it in his hands, right? And we're going to follow him in faith. So now let's get into the word of God. Okay. Let's get into the word of God. The next few weeks, we're going to explore the book of Titus. Okay. Titus is a, a great book. It lays a foundation for godly living. And the context of Titus is this. It's about 30 years after the crucifixion and resurrection. The Apostle Paul is doing ministry. He's, he's starting churches all over uh, the Mediterranean. And he, he's training young pastors uh, to, to lead and training up the next generation of leaders. And he'll start a church and he'll, he'll lead some pastors. And so he had, had one young man that he was mentoring. His name was Timothy. And he went to Ephesus. And he stayed there in Ephesus. And there was a, a church that had mature leadership and established church by the time Timothy was there. And then he had another protege. His name was Titus. Now Titus... He, he, he sent to Crete. Now, Crete was like Las Vegas on steroids. Okay. It, was, it was a tough, tough assignment. If you read the book of Titus, you see what Paul says about the Cretans. Okay? And uh, anyway, and, and, and it was like, it was loose, loose morals. And Titus was called to help them grow in the Lord in a culture that was pushing them the opposite direction. And that was what Titus had to do. You know, Paul wrote letters to these apprentices. He wrote a letter to, he wrote two letters to Timothy. We call them first, first and second Timothy. He also wrote one uh, to Titus. And that's what we're going to look at over these next few weeks. We're going to look at what Paul wrote to Titus. So would you please stand with me in honor of God's word? This is Titus chapter one, starting at verse one. This is what the word of God says. Paul, a servant of God, and an apostle of Jesus Christ, for the sake of the faith of God's elect and their knowledge of the truth, which accords with godliness. Are you catching the, the link there between knowing truth and, and making a godly impact in our lives? In hope of eternal life, which God who never lies promised before the ages began and at the proper time manifested in his word through the preaching with which I've been entrusted by the command of God our Savior. That's Paul. Two, Titus, my true child in a common faith. Grace and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Savior. This is why I left you in Crete. 
so that you might put what remained into order and appoint elders in every town as I directed you. If anyone is above reproach, the husband of one wife and his children are believers and not open to charge of debauchery or insubordination for an overseer as God's steward must be above reproach. He must not be arrogant or quick-tempered or a drunkard or violent or greedy for gain, but hospitable, a lover of good, self-controlled, upright, holy, and disciplined. He must hold firm to the trustworthy word as taught so that he may be able to give instruction in sound doctrine and also to rebuke those who contradict it. Lord Jesus, I thank you for this word as we open up this this letter, Lord, this, this ver- these verses of Scripture that give so much instruction. And Lord, help us to apply what we need to apply to our own lives, Lord. In your precious name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. You know, as I, as I look at books of the Bible, uh, you know, I, I try to put a little bit of a, a summary in my mind so I can remember what each book of the Bible really talks about. So I'm talking about Galatians and I look at the book of Galatians, I know that's talking about faith and nothing else is what saves me. That's what Galatians is all about. If I'm looking at the book of James, it's the relationship between faith and works. My faith saves me, but there's a relationship between the things I do and my faith. My faith is living there. It will show itself in the things I do. And when I look at the book of Titus, it's like the relationship between God's grace, God's salvation, and character. That if, I am, if I'm trusting in the Lord Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior, I have asked him to come into my life. He's come in. He's making transformation. There should be a difference in my character. And that's what Titus is all about. It's about grace and good character. And I want to unpack a little bit of this because I think it's important for us as believers in Jesus Christ that we show the character that God has implanted into our hearts. We need to show the transformation. What good is it just to profess Jesus Christ if we're not exhibiting, if we're not exemplifying transformation, okay? So, uh, I'm going to pack a few of these verses. In verse 5, I love this. He says, this is why I left you in Crete. I don't know why Paul said he had to write that down. Maybe maybe he got word that, that, that Titus was thinking, why in the world was I left here? Why in the world was I here? I, I sort of felt that way at one point in my ministry. I was starting a church up in Edmonton, and uh, I was delivering newspapers early, early, early in the morning to help pay uh, expenses for my family. It was very cold. Well, uh, and so there was a time I was thinking, Lord, what am I doing here delivering newspapers in this freezing, freezing cold weather? Now, God, God grew me then. He helped me to become a better pastor, I believe, there. Now I'm thankful I'm in Florida in January. When I looked up in Edmonton and saw that there were minus 45 degrees last week. You know, I'm, I'm grateful, okay? But, you know, I look back and I, I know the reason why. But when we're in the middle of it, we don't often understand the reason why. Uh, so there's a reason Titus was left in Crete. Can you imagine this apprentice? He's with Paul. They're starting this church. They're getting everything going. They're trying to get, get people together. Bible studies. They're trying to share the gospel. They're trying to witness to people. They're trying to plant Jesus into the hearts of as many people as they can and just looking for the spiritual results to happen. And, and things are starting to happen. And then the team starts packing up. They're ready to go. And they're getting ready to go to the next place. And then Paul says to Titus, by the way, you're not going with us. I'm going to leave you here in Crete. Okay. 
this, this sin city. I'm going to leave you here, okay? And so while Paul gets on the boat with all the team and they're sailing off and Titus is standing there on the dock, I wonder what he's thinking. You ever think about it? I wonder what Titus was thinking. Man, you know, uh, and Paul, Paul's writing back said, there's a reason that you're there. There's a reason we're leaving you there. And it's not punishment and it's not arbitrary. There's a reason. Do you ever feel like, now that I'm a Christian, why can't I just go up to heaven? Why can't I just go up to heaven? Because if in heaven, all the promises of the Bible, I'm gonna be, they're going to be realized. If I go up to heaven, oh, there's no more crying, no more dying, no more pain. That's what the Bible says. If, if, if that's what's going to happen, and if heaven is my eventual home, why don't I just accept Jesus Christ and say, beat me up, Jesus, and I'm just going to be there? Why doesn't that happen? Well, there's a reason. There's a reason. Just like Paul said to Timothy, there's a reason I left you in Crete. There's a reason. There is a why. You know, you have a purpose here on earth. You have a purpose. You're part of God's plan. And our goal is to find the victory in the plan that God gives us. So here's the first point I want to make to us is we need to lean into God's purposes. Lean in to God's purposes. That's the why. Everybody has a why. This is why I left you. Paul wrote to Titus. So this is why you are here. You are here for a purpose. God has a reason for you. You have a purpose. You have spiritual gifts. The Holy Spirit is in you, empowering you to work in the power of God. You have experiences. You have pain. Someone, someone uh, once said, and I heard this and it's so powerful, that God never wastes a pain. You know, God uses us in power. So the Lord uses all of this in our lives. And what he does, he weaves it through so intricately and so beautifully. And you know, God takes all of this. And because of this, in Christ, you have a purpose. I have a purpose. There's a reason the Lord leaves us here on earth after we accept Jesus Christ. None of us are purposeless. You have a purpose. You're part of God's plan. We all have a purpose and we all have a creed. We all have that part that's in opposition to our spiritual growth. We have that, that part of our lives that we have to face that, that we struggle with. We all have that, that bulwark of opposition. They might, it might be internal uh, opposition. It might be bad habits. It might be sin. Uh, it might be temptations. It might be opposition that's external. We all have our creed. We all have our, our purpose, Okay. You have a why and a purpose. So what I want to do is I want to lean in to God's purpose. I don't want to lean into the opposition. I want to lean into God's purpose and what he's going to do. He's the power, okay? Now, verse 7, there's something else I want to mention to you. It says, for an overseer, as God's steward, must be above reproach, okay? An overseer, as God's steward, if you want responsibility in God's kingdom, if you want to see power, God using you in power and influencing others as a leader, that that person must not be arrogant or quick-tempered or drunkard or violent or greedy for gain, must be above reproach. Now, Paul, in context here, is giving qualifications for elders in the church, but I believe the standard applies for every person. Every person, every believer, this is what we need to be living up to. This is the character that we strive to. I want to be above reproach, not arrogant. I don't want to be around arrogant Christians, not angry. I don't want to be around angry Christians. How many of you like to be around angry Christians? You're going to get a life group of angry Christians together. 
You can be angry at the road. Not drunk, not violent, not greedy. Those are things that are, go against what God is calling us to do, okay? So I, I want to be the very best example I can be. I want to be above reproach. I want to be someone who doesn't open himself up to accusation. That's what God's calling. So the point I want to make is this. In following Christ, and I want to grow in Christ, have that foundation, set the bar high. Set the bar high. In following Jesus, set the bar high. Have you even thought about how high you're trying to follow, how devoted you're going to be to Jesus? And as you're following Christ, set the bar high. See, sometimes people have this mindset, well, now that I'm a, G- now that I'm a Jesus follower, what can I get away with? What, what can I still do? What are the sins that I can participate in? The one? That's, not the, that's not the mindset we need to take, okay? Uh, and you say, what can I do now that I'm a Christian? Here's what you can do. You can love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, strength. That's what he's calling us to do. And set the bar high. If I'm going to be a Christ follower, why not be the best Christ follower that he empowers me to be? You know, and if there's something that keeps you from following Christ, don't do that thing. I don't need to make a whole list of them, do I? Just if something's keeping you from following Christ, don't do that. Set the bar high. I think some people, we not, it's not only that we don't set the bar high or we set the bar low, we don't think about the bar. If you don't think about where you're going to be, you don't, you, don't, you don't strive anywhere. You know what? You, your bar's on the ground. It's a low bar. Set the bar high. Set the bar high. If Jesus is that important to you, Set the bar high. What's the most I can do for him? How much can I sacrifice for him? How much can I be uh, following him? And, and, uh, and like I said, this is about overseers and leaders, but everybody in this room is a leader. There's a Christian teacher. Uh, I like hearing his, his uh, lessons and things and sermons. His name's Chip Ingram. And one of the things he wrote is this, you are the greatest Christian someone knows. You're the greatest Christian that somebody knows. So moms and dads, grandmas, granddads, you're the greatest Christian that your child or that your grandchild knows. So why not set the bar high? Give them a good example. Uh, Christ followers, we are, we are in a dark, dark world, right? And we're supposed to be salt and light, to this dark, dark world, we should set the bar high. Christ did not call us to conform to the world. He called us to be separate and holy from the world and, and, and to set the bar high. You know, I want to give one example, but, and I don't want to just pick on one, one sin because this happens in, in all parts of life and I'm not a perfect person. But, you know, I wonder why so many people who call themselves Christians still live together outside of marriage when they know the Bible says the only sexual relationship that is uh, blessed by God, protected by God, is that between a man and a woman in a lifetime commitment of marriage. And why? I think it's because there are people that are following the world and, and setting the bar low in following Christ. And I just want to encourage you, if that's you, I want you to, I'll help you. I'll help you. Let's, let's raise that bar. Let's see what we can do to set the bar high in every area of life. You know, the world needs to see the transforming power of Jesus in Christians. Amen. He needs to see Christians that are serious about their faith. If Christians aren't serious about their faith, why would they even want to follow? Okay, so verse 8. 
He says, but uh, he says that we need to be hospitable, a lover of good. Not only someone who does good, but a lover of good, okay? Uh, that's, that's one word in the English language, lover of good, okay? Someone who, who loves goodness. And so the next point I want to make is this. Be good. Just, <laughs> if you're a Christian, be good. Do you ever have your grandma or your parents say, as you go out, just be good? I think Jesus is telling us, be good. Be, be good people. You know, goodness is so, so incredibly important. So, so just be good. After college, my wife and I were uh, missionaries, student missionaries in Germany. We served there for six months. And we were with a team of other people that were in Western Europe. And, and one of the team members was in, uh, was in Belgium. And she was telling us the story when we came back for the debriefing that she was trying to go around the little village and learn uh, where people, learn about people and, and do the things. And, and she'd meet people and try to get Bible studies started. And, and she said she came up across this uh, one lady and was talking with her. And, uh, and the lady asked, where do you live? And she said, I live over in that house there uh, with the Reynolds. And she didn't know the Reynolds name. But the lady said, oh, that's the home of the Bonhomme. You know what bonhomme means in, in French? It means the good man. That's the home of the good man. Didn't know his name, but they knew that that was a good person. Didn't know Christ was there yet, but they knew that that was a, a good person. And, and, and it opened the door for the gospel. Being good is extremely important. Extremely important. Psalm 34 says this, turn away from evil and do good. Okay? Not just don't do evil, do good. Be the positive there, okay? In, in the New Testament, how do I overcome evil? Do I overcome evil with evil? Do I fight fire with fire? No, Romans 12 says, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. It's so important to be good. So to build the foundation of godly living, let me just say, set the bar high. Be good. Here's something else, verse 9. And he must hold firm to the trustworthy word as taught so that he may be able to give instruction in sound doctrine and also to rebuke those who contradict it. We need to hold firm to the trustworthy word, okay? And hold firm means I need to endure alongside it. I want to hold on to it, embrace it, cleave it. I want to be right there with the word of God. And it says if, if you want to be living that life that's transformative, stay with the word of God. I mean, we have these core values in Anastasia. Jesus is the way and the Bible is the map. It is the map, okay? You know, in the midst of conflicting messages that we have all around us, how do you know what you can believe? You can believe the word of God. Amen. You can believe the word of God. So stay close to it. It's the map. Jesus is the way. The Bible is the map. So we want to hold firm to it. And he says you want to hold firm to it for two reasons. Two reasons in verse 9. It says you need to hold firm to God's word. The first one is that you need to give instruction. If you are going to be someone who is following Jesus Christ and you're here on earth and God has a purpose for your life and you have the map, part of that purpose is you need to take that map and help other people read the map. Are you a good map reader? Are you a good map reader? Okay. You know, that, that's another core value, right? Disciple making is our mission. He's called us to do that. And the second is to rebuke those who contradict the word of God. Uh, there are a lot of messages that contradict the word of God. How are you going to know what is truth and what is not truth? Unless you read the word of God. And so what I want to say is this. Become skillful at applying God's word. 
Become skillful at applying God's word. In this year, think about how well you know the Bible. Now, can you be more skillful this year than you are right now? I think everyone can grow. I think everyone can grow. So we can become skillful. I need, I need to get good at map reading. Are, are you good at map reading? A lot of people, less people are good at map reading now because we don't follow maps, right? We follow the GPS. The GPS will take you all kinds of places. Yeah, so you, you got to be good at reading the map. And so you, you got to hear the word of God. You got to read the word of God. Let me tell you, you got to plant it in your heart. That means you got to memorize the word of God. Boy, that sounds so hard. Think about what, are you, what passage of scripture are you going to memorize this year or this week? I mean, think about that. You say, I, I can't memorize. Oh, yes, you can. How hard is it to say Jesus wept? Yeah. Shortest book in the Bible. You can memorize something, right? You can memorize something here. Memorize it. Then, then you got to follow it. And so wherever you are today at understanding the Bible, at knowing the Bible, where are you going to be by the end of this week? You're setting the bar high, right? Where are you going to be the end of this week? Where are you going to be the end of this month? Where are you going to be the end of this year? You know, and you say, you know, by the end of this year, I'm going to read the Sermon on the Mount. You know, it's just... Chapters 5, 6, 7, and 8 in Matthew, it's not very long. You read the Sermon on the Mount. That's the goal. Say, I'm going to read that. I'm going to read it once a month. I'm going to read the, the, word of, the words of Christ as he's teaching. You know, that, that's something you could be expert at by the end of this month. You know, you could read the book of Titus. Okay, get a paper Bible. Since we're going through Titus, read the book of Titus. First thing you're going to have to do is figure out where is this little bitty book in all of this, okay? And you're going to find the contents and you're going to find that it's in the New Testament, toward the end of the New Testament. And you're going to find these three chapters and read it and get good at finding it. Can you be more skillful at applying God's word so that when temptation comes, when discouragement comes, God can speak into your heart using his words. When other people are struggling with something, God can speak to them through you by using his words. And I don't want anyone to feel guilty about the lack of Bible knowledge. You are where you are today, okay? You're just where you are today. No guilt, but where are you going to be tomorrow? Where are you going to be the day after that? Where are you going to be next year? Become skillful at applying God's word. I just want to encourage you, get into the word of God. Because, uh, you know, we all live in our version of Crete. We all live in that culture that's trying to tear us down. That's trying to, to tell us to walk away from the things of faith. And that if you're really going to have a serious faith life, that you're just, you're just a fanatic. We, we, got, we all have that sort of version going on. And we need the word of God in us. And we need it to deal with our interactions with the world. We need that foundation. And that foundation will transform your life. See, it's not about conforming to the world. In 2024, we're claiming the vision. In 2024, we are claiming a vision that God has given to us. And we're going to claim it in strength. And I'm not just talking about the finance. I'm talking about we're going to claim it as the body of Christ. We're going to be the strongest body of Christ we can be in the power of God. We're going to claim the vision. And so what it says in Romans 12, 2, that's claiming the vision too. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed. Transformed. By the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God. It's the word of God that helps you understand the will of God. That we need to be discerners and testers of the will of God. Because the world doesn't know what, what the Bible says. we got to be the interpreters. we got to be the, the people that are carrying the word into culture there. 
And you may, so by testing, you may discern what the will of, what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. This year, it's going to be an amazing year. I just want to say to every single person here, lean in to God's purposes. God's going to do amazing things. I say that to us as a whole, as church. We need to lean into God's purposes. We need to set the bar high. We need to become skillful at applying God's word. And then when you hear that phrase that you're the greatest Christian somebody knows, you can live that out. You can be an example to someone. You can help someone else embrace the life-changing truth of Jesus Christ. You know, if you're not a follower of Jesus, you know, the first step is is saying, yeah, I'm going to be a follower of Jesus to, to respond in faith to his offer to you. God's making an invitation to you. There's, there's a vision of heaven. Streets of gold. There's a vision in heaven of, of God saying, there's a place I've prepared for you, this perfect place. And there's no more crying, no more dying, no more tears. All the impact of your sin, that's all going to be washed away. God has that all prepared. And I have an open door for you. Now, here's how you walk through the door. Jesus is saying, believe in me. Admit that you need me. And commit to follow me. If you've never done that before, right now, what's keeping you from doing that? Let me ask you to stand right now. If you've not done that before, just right where you are, would you say, Lord Jesus, in 2024, as we're claiming the vision, Lord, I know you have a vision and a purpose for my life. Lord, help me. Help me to embrace that vision. Lord, help me to grasp that vision. Lord, help me to be a part of your plan. Lord, help me to get on board, Lord. Because I want all the blessings that you want to pour into my life. Lord, I pray someone is making that decision right now. Lord, move among us. Lord, let your Holy Spirit move among us. And Lord Jesus, I pray that someone is, is, is saying right now, Lord Jesus, I'm now committing to follow you as my Lord and Savior. Lord, I'm praying right now for people that, that over the last year or several years maybe have set the bar low or maybe haven't set that bar at all. Lord, I pray you put conviction in our heart to set that bar high. Lord, to strive to win the prize. Lord, to see all the transformation you want to put in our lives. See your impact, Lord. See revival break out in church and in this community, Lord. Lord, move among us. And glory be to your name. In your precious name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Amen. We're going to sing. But also, we're claiming the vision, guys. 2020. The altar's open. If you want to pray about anything as we move into this year, the altar's open. You come. If you want to take a step of faith, maybe 2024, this is the year that you need to take that step of faith of baptism or trusting in Jesus and you need to talk with someone. You can come forward. We have counselors that will help you take that step. Whatever God is calling you to do, don't wait. Don't let this year be a year of hesitation. Let it be a year of claiming all that God wants for you. Amen? Amen. God's calling you, you come.
you have just a great week, and we will see you next time.